Yeah, this is Frank, and I'd like you to stop uh, telling lies about our president. Um, can you tell him there to stop lying? You know, it's it's getting very um, uh, very boring, very depressing. So just say the truth. That's all. What I want you to do is say the truth. Stop lying about our president. Okay. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. Donald Trump since 2014. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 472 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined by the other host of the program today, Brittany Page, everybody. I am here. I have a bit of a head twitch. <laughs> so <laughs> The head twitch. That is going to be something that I'm dealing with during the show. Y- you know, you've got a giant red spot on your head now because... It's like you got a, a scab that you're picking. It's like you, you can tell there's something going on there because you won't leave it alone with the old hands. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I don't know how to explain it other than a twitch. It feels like a twitch right there in the middle yeah. of my forehead. And it's a stress twitch, may- right? Maybe like a parasite is in my head. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. It's crawling around. It's just dancing around right there. See, it's doing it again. Like a like a brain-eating amoeba or something. Exactly. It knows I'm talking about it, so it's dancing. <laughs> um, yeah. All brought I- on because of stress and the, the insane deal you've been going through. I would assume. I would assume. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> wow. She's uh, losing her mind, everybody. <laughs> she is laughing maniacally with no joke told. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> I I do want to say, so you released that announcement. You said I was taking a test and I took my test and I passed my test. So thank you to everyone who sent me very nice messages. When Jesse went in to record, I said, but what do I say if I fail? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was maybe the hesitation that you just didn't announce. Yeah, I'm studying for this test up front. Mm-hmm. Was that it? You were you were yeah. like, if I fail, I don't want to say I was studying for a test and then I I fail it. Yeah, that was for sure. It. I was are, like, are I'm you just being gonna... a dick now, or no, was it really? It? No, I was like, I'm going to keep this kind of to myself for sure, and that was why. You yeah. need to be better at ex- exp- you know letting laying bare your vulnerability. That is for sure true. That's 100% true. Are, are you being a dick now or do no, you really why, believe that? Shouldn't you be able to tell by my tone after how many episodes if I'm being a dick or not? Well, usually I, I judge the tone against what I see on your face. Mm-hmm. and But the twitch is so pronounced. Yeah. It's morphing. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't tell what's happening to my face. That's right. Your uh, face is contorted due to the, the, the uh, brain-eating amoeba. Yeah. Contorting. That's the word I was looking for. So... Yeah, no, you're right. That that is good advice. Although I will say probably because it's related to my my education and my job, then it, it feels a little bit more 
of a bummer if I were to have failed the law and ethics required of my job. Oh, yeah, we never mentioned. I mean, unless you listened to uh, yesterday and I didn't really give a good explanation of it. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. It was the law and ethics exam um, portion of your licensing to be a, a marriage and family therapist. Right. So. Yeah. So, and it was pretty intense, but uh, I got through it and now we're on to the next hurdle, guys. Yay. And by we, I think she means Myself. she. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is good. Listen, um, uh, congratulations. Thank you. It was a lot of hard work. Y- you are not a normal student. You are extra obsessed and extra dedicated, extra disciplined, mm-hmm. and uh, it pays off. Uh, well, I don't know. I have a Twitch now, so... <laughs> Right in my head. That's, usually, that's part of the payment. Usually it's just in my eye, but now it is in my head. It's Everybody gets those eye twitches, though. That's Yeah. Well, if anyone's ever had a forehead twitch, let me know, and uh, hopefully it wasn't a parasite. So be- be- before we, we move on, let me can I risk getting us into trouble again mm-hmm. with the audience? Yeah. Maybe we'll lose more Patreon supporters because <laughs> we're going to talk about Sam Harris. And, you know, it's kind of related to us because we're also on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Sam Harris the other day. Do you have this statement there? I do. Sam Harris the other day, yesterday, I believe, he, he emailed. Somehow I'm on his mailing list. And I got an email of him announcing that tomorrow morning I'm closing down my Patreon account. Mm-hmm. Apparently to stand in solidarity with the white nationalists and white supremacists who have been kicked off the platform. I, that, that's what it seems to me. What, what exactly did he say? Um, it says, closing my Patreon account. Dear Patreon supporters, as many of you know, the crowdfunding site Patreon has banned several prominent content creators from its platform. While the company insists that each was in violation of its terms of service, these recent expulsions seem more readily explained by political bias. Although I don't share the politics of the banned members... I consider it no longer tenable to expose any part of my podcast funding to the whims of Patreon's Trust and Safety Committee. I will be deleting my Patreon account tomorrow. If you want to continue supporting my work, I encourage you to open a subscription at samharris.org slash subscribe. As always, I remain deeply grateful for your support. Wishing you all a very happy new year. A very elongated ellipsis, Sam. More than three? Yeah, it wasn't very elongated. There's just four, but it's an additional one. Yeah. Come on, Sam. You're you're better than that, brother. So anyway, let's talk about who got um, deleted. Please. So, so now there's all this fervor surrounding Patreon because they, well, at first they deleted Lauren Southern, who is still on Twitter, I believe, but she's that blonde woman who... Is I don't really know a lot about her. I don't. She's a white identitarian Canadian mm-hmm. Canadian girl. Okay, similar to like Faith Goldie. Then yeah, she's a more I think a more recognizable character among that crowd. Okay, and when we're talking about that crowd, we're talking about running in circles like 
uh, Mike Cernovich, Richard Spencer, Richard Spencer, yeah. uh, Paul Joseph Watson, Jack Prasebic. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah, the, the bad actors. Those types of people. Yeah. And so the, the Patreon controversy kind of started, I think, with Lauren Southern. I think. I don't know. That's that's what I think, because Jack Conti, the CEO, was on Dave Rubin's show to like talk about yeah. in depth Ugh. what happened and what went into the decision to delete Lauren Southern from Patreon. So anyway, from there, other people started getting deleted. And recently it was, I believe, Sargon of Akkad. Carl Benjamin. Okay. And he has a YouTube channel. Yes. I, I don't know a lot about this guy either. I'll be honest with you. I don't know what he's he's like a dumb guy's Joe uh, Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. says a lot without really saying anything. That's he's, what Jordan Peterson does. He he he, he yeah, what? He, that's what Jordan Peterson does as well. Yeah, he's like a dumb guy's Jordan Peterson though. Okay, but he's I was just saying as, that's the same. He's Jordan Peterson with a different name and face. How okay. about that? Is that yeah? That's better. <laughs> Thank you. So, but he's like, uh, he doubts whether 9-11 was, was perpetrated by the 19 Saudis. I mean, he's, he's, he's a problem. He's the guy who went to that, that uh, skeptics conference in Milwaukee and said something about rape on stage that was abhorrent. He's tweeted at rape victims saying that I wouldn't even rape you. Mm-hmm. He's a piece of shit. Well, so we want to get into why he was deleted, though. Yeah. I, thank you for the background about who he is that didn't really get into like what he talks. Oh, is he an I, atheist or what is the point of his he, I channel? I think he is. Okay. Yeah, he's got a following like that. So this is Patreon's statement, which goes into a little bit of why exactly Sargon of Akkad was deleted. Some creators and patrons have questions regarding our removal of Sargon of Akkad for hate speech. We take a strong stance against hate speech and want to make sure everyone has the full context regarding this removal. Before getting into the specifics, I'd like to warn you that there is some inflammatory language. In an, I'm reading from Patreon. In an interview on another creator's YouTube channel, Sargon said, I'm not going to read the words, so I will just use... Inward, for example. Oh, oh, wow. Really? Quote, I just can't be bothered with people who choose to treat me like this. It's really annoying. Like I you're acting like a bunch of inwards. Just so you know, you act like white inwards. Exactly how you describe black people acting is the impression I get dealing with the alt right. I'm really I'm just not in the mood to deal with that kind of disrespect. Okay, another quote. Look, you carry on, but don't expect me to then have a debate with one of your F-words derogatory toward gays like I would bother. Maybe you're just acting like an N-word, mate. Have you considered that? Do you think white people act like this? White people are meant to be polite and respectful to one another, and you guys can't even act like white people. It's really amazing to me. End quote. Wow. I, 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 that's the first time I've heard it. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not shocked by it. But you'd think that the higher his profile gets, the the more smart he is about the language he uses. So Patreon continued in this blog post on their hate speech announcement because, again, there, there's been a lot of pushback on Patreon with Sam Harris making this move. Yeah, well, let's let, let, let's before you move on, let let's just reinforce what this is. Sam Harris left in part because this guy no longer has a Patreon page. Sam Harris, race IQ guy, 
left Patreon because they kicked this guy off because he's he traffics in hate speech. And that bothers him. He's standing in solidarity with Sargon of Akkad, some would say. Mm-hmm. Continue, please. So Patreon continued. Some people worry that we are reviewing content not posted on Patreon. As a funding platform, we don't host much content, but we f- we help fund creations across the internet. As a result, we review creations posted on other platforms that are funded through Patreon. Sargon is well known for his collaborations with other creators, and so we apply our community guidelines to those collaborations, including this interview. In our community guidelines, we state that we don't allow hate speech. Part of how we define hate speech in those policies is, quote, hate speech includes serious attacks or even negative generalizations of people based on their race and sexual orientation. We also say, quote, when reviewing an account for a potential hate speech violation, we consider some of the following questions. Is the creator using racial slurs or negative depictions of a protected class? In this case, Sargon used racial slurs to insult others and specifically linked those slurs with negative generalizations of behavior in contrast to how people of other races act. He also used a slur related to sexual orientation to generally insult others. Taken in whole with all this context, this violates our community guidelines. Okay, they they go on a little bit just to say that they believe it's essential for Patreon to have strong policies against hate speech to build a safe community for their creators and their patrons. So Patreon is a private company. Yes, it is. That has decided to create its own terms of service. And if you are found to be in violation of those terms of service, then Patreon deletes your account. It is just like you violating the community standards on Twitter and Twitter deleting your account and Laura Loomer trying to act like it is a human rights violation that she can no longer send a 280 character tweet. You know, and and so everyone is reacting to this as though it's serious. Now, I, I get Sam Harris's concern, right, that... At any moment, out of his control, with one of his podcasts with Charles Murray or whoever he might be talking to, that Patreon will decide that something that he said is against their community guidelines and delete his account. And he wants to be in control of that decision. So he did it before they can. That's really what I see this to be. It seems to me, I mean, listen, my my opinion of Sam Harris has... um been in decline over the course of the last probably only two years. I, I stopped really having respect for him within the last year. But he's not... This is pretty transparent. He's, he's ahead of the game here because it seems inevitable that something will be said on his, on his show that can reasonably be considered hate speech. I think that's his worry. Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting is they're trying to make this a free speech issue. And uh, it's, well, it's not. not. It's not. Fundamentally, because, it's not. Yeah, because the government isn't that's doing anything right. to infringe on the right of these people to be speaking. But it's just weird to take this action on behalf of the people who have been banned from Patreon. I mean, who are these turds? Milo got deleted. Yeah. Milo is a white supremacist. To go read that BuzzFeed article where he had all of the uh, references to Nazis and Nazi Germany and his like passwords and in his emails. Yeah. Um, why is this action being taken now? Or, or Lauren Southern, 
who's traveling with Stefan Molyneux. Yeah, so... Sargon of Akkad, who says horrific things, as evidenced just now. Yeah. These are the types that he's that he's allying himself with. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I still get messages from Sam Harris fanboys because of the conversation that we had that, you know, caused all the problems for us when we when we had it. And they wanted me to listen to Sam Harris's podcast with the chick who did the documentaries, including the white right film or I, I think that's what it's called is it um the girl who did all the interviews with with white supremacists and then several of them jump ship and now they're no longer racist is that is that the one yeah she's a muslim woman and she went and interviewed them like at the charlottesville rally mm-hmm. she went and marched with people and interviewed them and got to know them and some of them ended up leaving the movement and it was weird listening to that interview because she also did a documentary about um meeting radical islam islamic terrorists as well and sam harris was really liking talking about that documentary with with the radical islamic terrorists and he liked talking about the white supremacist documentary too but what he was really highlighting was like how cute her interactions were with the Nazis when they like couldn't be racist to her face and like how it was, he described it literally as cute. (laughs) And, um, I, I was just struck by how intent he was on wanting to humanize the Nazis. Yeah. Whereas I don't think that was as present in the discussion about her other documentary about the radical Islamic terrorists. I I can't speak to that because I didn't listen to the interview, but I can tell you that he has a long history of not humanizing, maybe justifiably so, but, you know, members of ISIS and radical Islamists. Well, and she was drawing a lot of parallels between the two. There should be between the two groups and there are two groups of terrorists and and he and this could be just my impression that he was drawing distinctions between them and I you can feel how you want to feel about her making that documentary and her attempting to humanize those people Um, some people vehemently disagree with that approach and making them out to be human beings Um that's how some people feel, but I'm just, I'm trying to describe yeah, yeah, what yeah. my perspective was on, on Sam Harris. So I, I don't know. It, it bothers me that this step was taken at this time, because like you said, it, it does seem like it's out of response and in support of for these people, although he's explicitly stating that he doesn't share their political views. Um, seems, seems like problematic timing. Well, he's tur- he's feels strongly enough about it that he's turning off the money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, and he has the benefit of just being able. I I don't know how you give him money if it's through PayPal or what, but through his own website, you can just go donate to him. So, so that is that. We I, I'd love to know um, what the audience thinks. I think there probably still are some sympathetic to Sam Harris characters out there, and and it's really you. I'd like to hear from everybody for sure, because mm-hmm. um, I want to kind of get the 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 pulse out there, how people feel about this. Uh, do Patreon do the right thing? Is Sam Harris, by some odd freakish logic that you might have, is he not standing in solidarity? Is he really only protecting himself? 
657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Uh, before we move on, it's almost Christmas time, Brittany Page, mm-hmm. a- as you know. Yep. And I, there's there's a story that, that, you, that you sent to me that I thought was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then I also want to talk about a post that we saw mm-hmm. on the Facebook. Yep. And both of these stories that we're going to talk about involve Santa. Yeah, so I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw a news article attached to this. And this was the tweet. Quote, organizers of a Christmas event have apologized to outraged parents after a fire alarm reportedly prompted Santa Claus to burst out of his grotto, rip off his beard and scream at children to, quote, get the fuck out. (laughs) So imagine this Every happening. Every time it makes me laugh. <laughs> imagine this happening. You are, you know, standing in line to visit Santa in Santa in Santa's North Pole, whatever shack that you see at the mall. Someone pulls a fire alarm and Santa just rips off his beard in front of all the little kids and starts screaming, get the fuck out. <laughs> it is. I seriously... <laughs> This should be our taking care of. This guy is taking care of biz. Yeah. Well, do you get the fuck out, children? Do you want to? <laughs> would you like to guess where this occurred? Kentucky. <laughs> it was actually an English town of St. Ives, Cambridgeshire. Oh, Cam- really? Cambridgeshire. Um, I'm sure that Wayne or someone will call in and give me shit for that. Uh, yeah, that's where it happened. And there was uh, like 50 kids around him and this alarm went off. It was (laughs) at a nearby, but unconnected event apparently. And he just started screaming and swearing at people. So it was probably less like Racho, macho man, Randy Savage children you know but less that and more children get the fuck out no, however no. however wayne would do it. you would need to be Call more bruv or something yeah you would need <laughs> <laughs> yeah wayne do a demonstration for us call it send it in um but the parents obviously very upset because the children very upset seeing santa rip his beard off traumatic it seems like every year we talk about the santa thing mm-hmm. and it still it still perplexes me we saw a Facebook post. Yeah. And this goes to talking about your kids about Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. We saw a Facebook post from someone who had a question of their their Facebook friends. Mm-hmm. Hey, my kid who believes in Santa, I'm not reading it. I'm just paraphrasing it here because I want to be delicate. I don't want to, you know, uh, my kid is starting to ask some questions. Yeah. And they want for Christmas from Santa a mythical creature, mm-hmm. an imaginary thing. Yeah. A thing that doesn't ex- exist as much as the person from whom she wants the gift. And the kid really put the, the parent in a tough situation because they said, well, you said Santa is magic. So if Santa's magic, that motherfucker can do anything. Yeah, he can get it done. And I expect him to get it done. So it, it, it seems to me that that would be the time to say, Ugh, I got a smart one on my hands here. Who's trying to... Yeah, the kid logically painted me into a box. Right. This story reminds me of those kids who do the tooth fairy experiment 
where, oh, the, yeah. where the parents didn't know it, but the kid starts putting the tooth under the pillow without telling the parents, and then they don't get money. And then they tell the parents and get the money, yeah. and they put two and two together. And then they confront their parents yeah, and say, yeah, excuse yeah. me, I had the tooth under my pillow for two days, and I didn't tell you. No money. Then I tell you there's money. Yeah. The tooth fairy is not real. The kids come out of their bedroom, rip off their beard, say, get the fuck out, parents! <laughs> Yeah, so this this is a situation where it seems like the kid is figuring it out, right? Yeah, is reasoning yeah. through it and is like, well, if you're saying this, then this must be true. And instead of the parent asking for advice on how to tell the kid the truth, given the obvious reasoning skills that are that are happening here, the parent instead wanted advice on how to... Further lie. How to... Not obviously give the mythical creature, but do something close to that, right? Like, yeah. And there were a lot of different ideas, and one was like Santa writing a whole backstory about how the mythical creature needs to be in a safe place and so they can't bring the <sighs> mythical creature to earth. And it was like really in depth. Yeah, it's lying to cover up your lies. And that's that's the question that we almost, it seems like every year we talk about is parents telling or not telling their children that Santa is a thing. And it's interesting because I I almost feel like it's when I talk, when I talk about being an atheist and I just feel the scorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's the same with this. Yeah, it feels the same with this. And I... I don't fault anybody who who tells their kids about Santa. I for sure want to say that because it's still obviously very normal in today's society. That's what most people do is Santa. I just saw the line at the mall the other day. There were like 100 people in line waiting for one of the Santas at South Coast Plaza. Yeah. So it, the line's so long and so hectic that we cut through to get to the other side of the of the hallway and people were eyeballing us like we were cutting the line. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty serious deal. Yeah. So I I understand it. It's a difficult thing to do. I I just don't know about taking it a step further like this. I think that is a little problematic, especially when the kid starts figuring it out. You know, you have to let that natural process work its way through, where if the kid starts getting old enough to figure it out... Why are you going to go to extra lengths yeah, to yeah. keep them in the dark about the reality of their life? Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't judge. Um, I I didn't grow up. We had to play along because we had cl cousins that were very close, mm -hmm. and we had to play along like we believed, even though we didn't we didn't believe mm -hmm. until my little dick brother he spilled the beans to our, the the three female cousins. Yeah. It didn't go over well. Mm -hmm. It was a family drama, but um, I, I get it. I, I mean, I I don't understand it because I it really is you're lying to your kids, and we're gonna catch shit for this too. But you are you're lying to your kid about some imaginary magic character. It would be like when a kid is watching um, The Simpsons or whatever cartoon a kid would watch, and you say, "Yeah, that's that's real life. They live in cartoon land." And then you have this kid believe in their heart of hearts that cartoon land is a place that's got to fuck with a kid's perception of reality. And also when they finally get the news broken, they know you lied.
that you constructed a, a an elaborate lie for year upon year upon year of their existence. Yeah, it's just also normalized that I don't think that I don't think people think about it like that. Yeah. Because it has been normalized in our culture and our society and worldwide. It's all over the place. Yeah. And I even I don't know if kids think it's a big deal. It's kind of once you Oh, you think? Once you learn that well, I, I don't know. Once you learn that that could be, that could be. Once you learn that Santa isn't real, and now, you, now you, you're in on the secret, and you're deceiving all the other fuckers. Right. It's kind <laughs> of like being a senior in high school. When when you feel like you're the top dog, you know, you don't remember being a senior in high school. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I so. just don't. I don't get the analogy. <laughs> well, you you walk in on the first day, you're like, oh yeah. Oh, you're you're top one of the dog. big kids now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. So when you learn of that, there's no Santa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, you're one of the big kids now. Exactly. Yeah, it yeah. was such a great example. I don't know why you didn't pick up on it earlier. <laughs> But of course, my, when we've told this, we tell it every year, but you guys are going to hear it again. So um, also new listeners need to hear it. But um, my. They really need to hear Everybody, everybody, stop what you're doing. Right. And listen to this. You need to hear this. Right. So the, <laughs> the, the thing that is really entertaining about my childhood is that in some ways, my parents really emphasized aspects of like normal childhood uh, experiences with us. And then in other ways... Well, you guys know. So, uh, <laughs> hashtag raised by wolves. Yeah. So, my dad, you know, before he was in prison, would dress up as Santa <laughs> and like fill our stockings and go ho, ho, ho. And I remember it was like a magical thing. We would like but, wake but, up. But he would play Santa and you, you guys thought it was Santa in the yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we would wake up and we would, we'd peer around the wall. And he'd be ho, 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 filling the stockings. And we're like, oh, my God, he's here. And then we'd go back up and go to sleep. And uh, <laughs> and then he'd go out and look at his Adolf Hitler photographs that were yeah, probably framed in the garage. Yeah. And so one day I was in the garage jumping on the couch because there was a couch in the garage. And I... Because of course there was. <laughs> <laughs> and I peered behind the couch and saw that there was a trash bag that was kind of open and there was like something hanging out of it. And so I... So I, you've always been a snooper is what you're saying. Yeah. And so I reached back there to grab it and it was the Santa suit. And I pulled it up and it was the Santa suit in the trash bag behind the couch in the garage. Do you remember... Do you remember... Did you try to like bargain with yourself and try to make it... Well, it's probably this. It's like to, to protect the the veneer of of the of the lie i don't remember i remember feeling like what is this right now and then i turned to my dad and, oh he was in there yeah and it was just like a very nonchalant like yeah that's not a thing and get over it huh and <laughs> all right cool let me just put it back down and keep hopping here <laughs> Jumping on the couch. Uh, yeah, so it was kind of uneventful. I, in my memory, it was pretty uneventful, I think. The dissolution of the lie. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so, I, I'm just... Uh, but it's hard to think back and really know what the emotions were then. Sure. Unless it was like some grand event that was happening. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm. I, we have very close friends who were big Santa people. And uh, they're great parents. So it's not like I think if you lie to your kids about Santa and don't kid yourself that you're not lying to your kids. If you t tell your kids that there's a real Santa and he's magic and uh, the whole thing, you're lying to your fucking kids. That's just what it is. 
I'm not saying you're a bad person or a bad parent because of that. I, I just... It's it's like uh, does not compute. It just doesn't, you know. And yeah. maybe it's because I wasn't raised with that bullshit. It's you know? just really important that Jesse knows, or Jesse knows that you know that you lie to your kids. It's really important for him. He's gonna keep reiterating it. It's like super important that he shames you, and that you feel that, and that you really feel it in your heart, down deep. He needs you to feel it. Do you guys feel it? Chill. Do you guys get it? Wow. <laughs> Well, you keep saying it. Jesus well, Christ. All right. Let's move on. I just want everybody to know. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's move on since Brittany's sucking all the good time judgment out of the room. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Al. Al. George. George. Jeff. Jeff. And I am not going to get this right. I am not going to get this right. That's an odd name. Yeah. That um, was a weak-ass cheese joke. So if you want to call in and tell us how to say your name, that would be is great. Sveen? Yes. Is, is, that what, is that how you would say it? I have no it? idea. I have no idea. That is the name, though, yes. Sveen. Mm-hmm. Spell it so everyone can play S-V-E-I-N. along. S-V-E-I-N. Maybe it's fine. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. not, though. We're for sure fucking this up. Yeah, that is our fault. And by we for sure are. I mean, you most certainly are not doing this right. I didn't even try it. Yeah. So. <laughs> and that I'm sorry about that. Welcome back episode, everybody. Good times. <laughs> so other ways to support the show include shopping on Amazon. And Christmas is coming up, so don't forget to make those purchases through dollamore.com slash Amazon. No additional charge for you, and we get a little something on the back end for your purchase. Yes! And also, you can donate to us on PayPal if you do not want to donate to us through Patreon because you are a big Sam Harris fan and no longer <laughs> want to provide any cash flow through yeah. Patreon. If, well, I tell you what, listen, if you used to be a Carl Benjamin um, Patreon supporter, if you used to be a Lauren Southern Patreon supporter or Sam Harris, and you happen to also, by some freak of nature, be a listener to this program, you know, why don't you pass a little of that this way? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, the other thing we're doing is the co-host contest that we're going to be uh, announcing the first week of January. So if you would like to, to co-host an episode of this program with us, all you have to do is be a Patreon supporter sometime in this month and hopefully going forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will, we're, everybody who wants in, we're going to put their name in a, in a fishbowl or however we do it. And uh, yoink, if that's how we do it, mm-hmm. we'll make that sound. Yep. And uh, we'll, we'll pick at random mm-hmm. a winner. Yep. We've already got a whole bunch of people yep. who have signed up to set their in and it's a good time. We did a last uh, we did it once before and it was a really good time. Yeah, so I sent the message out once and I got some responses. So I'm going to send out another message to the new Patreon supporters as well as everyone else who didn't respond because 
I realized that there may be people who were declined, who updated their card, oh, who, yeah. who were not included in the message. And there's really no way for me to like track who might have been left out of the first message for that reason. So I'm just going to resend it again to everybody who didn't say, yes, I want in. It's, and- it's, it, it's Patreon not only hates Nazis, they also hate having a platform that works really integrated for us. Sometimes. Thanks a lot, Jack Conti. They're doing the best they can. (laughs) So um, we're really excited for that contest. We really appreciate you guys supporting us. And I just want to say, again, thank you so much to everyone who sent me a message wishing me good luck on the test. It It was really nice to wake up to that and to go into the test knowing that I was going to let so many people down. (laughs) <laughs> if I failed it, it really kept me on track. And I... At I, least you passed and it was worth it for everybody. Yeah, I... Uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm just... I know we t- we talk about it somewhat often, but I still feel amazed that we have the supporters that we do and that people take the time out of their days to listen to us, to give to us to write reviews about how they love the show, uh, send us a tweet about their thoughts, send us a voice memo about their thoughts, all of that. All of that is just so awesome, and and we're really thankful, and I just wanted to say that again. So yeah, thank you. absolutely. All right, moving on. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So I I always want to start after we have a, a mild break and say, man, it really is crazy around these parts and the news cycle is so nutty. But it doesn't matter if we take off a week or if we take off three days. The tempo of the news cycle, it is what it is. Yeah. This week was obviously no exception, and maybe the uptick was there, but there's a lot going on, and we're not going to get to it all because, you know, this, we have to have a program that's of a reasonable length, Brittany Page. Yes. Well, we're also doing hashtag third episode this week. That is true. So if something is not covered, we will get to it in the next episode, likely tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, um... James Comey, the former FBI director, had another hearing where he had to testify before the House, this time, again, before Republicans who, it's not like they're going to do anything. They're going to be in the minority here in in three weeks. Did we finally figure out why they didn't go break in and get that server, though? (laughs) What about the acid-washed emails? Did we... I'm telling you... Question of the question of the year. The acid wash. Yeah, yeah. What happened to that? Who knows? I need to know. I don't think they found the answers though. Well, he came out of the testimony today as frustrated as he did the first time. And there's two things that I want to play for you that he said that really resonated with me. Now I would ask you this, that I don't think I have to, but set aside however you feel about James Comey. He for sure had a role in Donald Trump becoming president of the United States. Inadvertent or not, he did. And uh, a lot of people still have some consternation for the guy, some no no love lost there. But the things that he says here seem to me to be irrefutable. They seem to be universal or should be universally felt by every American. So another day of Hillary Clinton's emails and the Steele dossier. This while the president of the United States is lying about the FBI attacking the FBI and attacking the rule of law in this country. 
How does that make any sense at all? Republicans used to understand that the actions of a president matter, the words of a president matter, the rule of law matters, and the truth matters. Where are those Republicans today? At some point, someone has to stand up and in the face of fear of Fox News, fear of their base, fear of mean tweets, stand up for the values of this country and not slink away into retirement, but stand up and speak the truth. I find it frustrating to be here answering questions about things that are far less important than the values that this country is built upon. Happy to take your questions. What, what impact? So, fuck. So was that the point where he was looking directly into the camera? That is it. Like I, to send a direct message right into the heart of Rand Paul? You, you stole the words. Uh, that is exactly what really struck me, is he was... It wasn't like, because it was a gaggle of reporters. There's maybe two dozen reporters all horseshoed around him. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't addressing any one of them at this point. He was looking straight into a camera addressing America. Mm -hmm. To America and to Republicans. Yeah, for sure. I singled Rand Paul out, but really you could name any Republican. uh, Lindsey Graham, uh, Warren Hatch. (laughs) Yeah, there was... um, you know, kind of an admonition toward uh, people who are retiring, slinking away into retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Ryan. Advocate. Paul Ryan's not retiring. Well, he's slinking away. Oh, he for sure is. He's, <laughs> he seems to have gotten closer with Russia than anything. But it is, uh, they're abdicating their duty. Mm-hmm. They're putting party ahead of country. And every single one of us should be uh, in horror. At that. Yeah. The, 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 well, I tell you what. Let, let's listen to Manu Raju's question. Uh, CNN's Manu Raju asked him at the very first question. And uh, he really cuts right to the quick. Happy to take your question. What, what impact does it have when the president calls Michael Cohen a rat, someone who's cooperating with an investigation and questions how his office was uh, raided by the FBI? It undermines the rule of law. This is the President of the United States calling a witness who has cooperated with his own Justice Department a rat. Say that again to yourself at home and remind yourself where we have ended up. This is not about Republicans and Democrats. This is about what does it mean to be an American? What are the things that we care about above our policy disputes, which are important? There's a set of values that represent the glue of this country, and they are under attack by things just like that. We have to stop being numb to it. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, you need to stand on your feet, overcome your shame, and say something. This sounds to me like somebody who might run for office. Oh, really? And I don't say that in a like a cynical, well, sounds like he's going to run for office, everybody. He's running. Yeah, he's running. <laughs> We're the only ones who ever get that joke, I think. Oh, really? So what I mean by that is that this sounds like a guy who's really frustrated. Mm-hmm. He's fed the fuck up. And it's time to take matters into his own hands. And maybe he's going to run for office. I don't know. I have no information. I haven't heard that headline anywhere. I just, I get that gut feeling. Yeah. I've heard, you know, like anybody else, I've heard hundreds of politicians talk. Mm-hmm. You know, but I've been in the room when they when they talk mm-hmm. and they talk about what they're going to talk about. Uh, this kind of strikes me. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. I, I think he'd be a good guy to 
to to bring us back to the point where we can honestly just bang our heads against one another about policy. Go back to the way it used to be where we could disagree spiritedly, vehemently against push back against one another about the ideas that we hold about what's going to make America better, not um, be in this constant quagmire of scandal and and tearing down and, t- and ripping apart the fabric of America and the rule of law. And, you know, James Comey's not the only one. He may have said it very statesmanlike and very uh, um, eloquently. Somebody else did this week, too, and that's Donnie Deutsch over on MSNBC. He said this about Donald Trump, and he's known Donald Trump for at least a couple of decades. The word blood is important. And um, what's interesting, we've been focusing, rightfully so, on Russia, on uh, the payments to these women. Let me say this unequivocally. As a guy who spent most of his career in business in New York, in the advertising business, in the real estate business, in fashion business, it's a small world. Donald Trump, in the industry of real estate developers, which is kind of a bit of a slimy business to begin with, was known as the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the food chain. I've heard story after story. This is a criminal guy. You have to do a dotted line to Letitia Jones, the Attorney General of New York, who came out today and said, oh, we're just starting with his foundation, we're starting with the organization. Russia and those Stormy Daniels and Carol are the least of his problems. Mm. To your point, what is going to put him in jail eventually, what is going to destroy everything he has ever built and his children, is a 30-year dishonest criminal enterprise. That is what is, one thing will take him out of the presidency. The other thing will ruin him forever. And on top of that, the political incentive for every U.S. attorney in New York or in Virginia to do it is, this guy showed up and tried to undo what 250 years of people have been dying for in this country. Who we are, what we stand for. So there is a moral imperative. The rule of law. The rule, what we are about, what what our grandfathers died for, democracy. He single-handedly is the first guy in our lifetime that tried to undo that. And he is going to pay for that the rest of his life as they pick apart his criminal enterprise. This is the very, very beginning of the story. And this is the beginning of that. And this is actually what is frustrating to me about what the Republican Party has been able to do with the Clintons. Now, everyone should know by now how we feel about the Clintons. And I won't speak for Jesse, but I um, definitely do not like Bill Clinton. I believe he's a predator and I'm not a huge fan of Hillary Clinton. Um, And I, although let me just say I voted for her. Okay. (laughs) So don't freak out. Um, But they, they have succeeded in talking about how corrupt the Clintons are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The corruption with the Clinton Foundation. They being Trump supporters. Yes. Who go on ad nauseum about the Clinton corruption. Right. When Donald Trump, I mean, from his whole life, his whole life, he's been lying to people about being a self-made man. Right. That yeah. He got a small loan of a million dollars when it was more like four hundred plus million dollars. Four hundred thirteen million dollars running tax fraud schemes and forcing people out of their rentals by raising rental prices when he was doing nefarious things behind the scenes, illegal practices behind the scenes to get more money and yeah. screwing over the little guy and the little guy is his champion now. The little guy loves Donald Trump. Why? Why? When he, like they just said, the Trump Foundation is being investigated. The Trump administration, 
Trump's inauguration. There's investigations all over the place. Yeah. Everything connected to Donald Trump. It's what your your YouTube video was about today. And it is just so frustrating to... I have a Trump supporter family member on my Facebook. And he posted the other day, uh, after all the Michael Cohen stuff happened, when Michael Cohen came forward and uh, was sentenced. And he said... Sometimes you just have to remain silent or something like that. Like he's taking a principled stand. He's not going to comment on anything yeah, as right. a Trump supporter. Well, buckle up, buddy, because it is going to get a lot worse for you. And yeah. you're going to be remaining silent because you're not going to have anything to say. Because at a certain point, when this gets to the point where you can no longer deny and twist and talk about the acid wash, you're going to be stuck having to reconcile with what you've been supporting for the past two years. Well, listen, like it or not, the acid wash stuff and the, the, the hitting the, the, the phones with hammers or whatever the fuck, all of that Hillary Clinton stuff, which by the way, not a good look. Lame, lame as fuck. That's not how you destroy stuff. You shouldn't have to destroy data on... Anyway, that largely had, 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 had did have an effect on her. That's why she's not president now. So stop talking about like she needs to be prosecuted for it. She didn't win the presidency. You got your way because that was such a story. Now, imagine that frustration if you're on the side of, of reason... And, and a clear look at Donald Trump and all of the many scandals. Notice this. Republicans are starting... This is what happens. It's the calm before the storm. There's a lot of quiet elected Republicans right now. A lot of them. To me, that's a signal that very soon, probably not weeks, but certainly months... They will be like rats off of a sinking ship. They will see the writing on the wall. And it might not um, predate the time that their constituency realizes it. Hopefully, again, the eternal optimist in me, hopefully they do realize and see the writing on the wall and, and take a turn. We don't know. But there are a few, including... Fox News' Judge Napolitano, listen to this, speaking of frustration, Brittany Page, listen to this exchange between the ding-dongs on Fox and Friends and Judge Napolitano talking about the sentencing hearing of Michael Cohen. But a very, very telling statement came out of the judge's mouth yesterday after he read all the documents <coughs> and heard all the arguments from the government prosecutors in D.C., prosecutors in New York, Michael Cohen and his lawyers. And that was about the president. The judge finding that the president ordered and paid for Michael Cohen to commit a crime. That is very telling. What crime? The intentional deception and failure to report campaign f uh, 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 payments. But so Donald, Trump, Donald Trump has said that that was not a campaign uh, violation because it wasn't in involving the campaign. Unfortunately, it was a damage control payment. Unfortunately, the president wasn't in the courtroom and the people who were 
uh, the federal prosecutors who had a statement from David Pecker, the guy that owns uh, uh, the National American Enquirer. National Enquirer, said it was for the campaign. The prosecutor said it was for the campaign. Michael Cohen said it was for the campaign. The president wasn't there. Maybe he should have had lawyers there. So if you make an honest mistake in failing to report something, or if you take $100,000 and you're only supposed to take 2500 you can correct that by returning the money, paying a fine, and correcting the report. If you do this as part of a scheme to hide it, then it's not a civil wrong, then it's a crime. That's what the judge found yesterday. Well, if, like, for example, Reverend Wright is speaking out, making President Obama, candidate Obama, look bad, and he and someone what? walks up to Reverend Wright and says, hey, what? could you stop uh, making the president, the, the senator look bad? He's running for president. But what does that have to do with the campaign? But yet it is how what, that might influence how I vote. Uh, that, that would not be a campaign. Uh, so this is no difference. This is a negative story the president went out because he's running for president. I understand the president's argument. Unfortunately, the court and the prosecutors who work for the president Jack, disagree with him. Yeah, but they went after John Edwards for essentially the same idea because there was a money paid to a woman who he had had an affair with and had a child. That went to court, that went to trial, and he was found not guilty. The, uh, John Edwards' case actually hurts the president because John <laughs> Edwards' lawyers made a motion to dismiss the indictment saying it's not a crime. And the judge published an opinion saying why it's a crime. Now, the jury didn't believe the government right. and believed John Edwards. But the fact of the matter is any scheme to defraud the government by failing to report what must be reported is a crime. Ainsley Earhart's just sitting there in the middle with nothing to say, wanting to talk about how voting an election night is supposed to be like watching a wrestling match, and even though it's not relevant to the conversation. What about this country? the majority? Okay, I'm the so majority. tired of protecting the minority. Ainsley so, Earhart, everybody. This was really embarrassing because just every question they tossed out was trying to defend Donald Trump. And then Judge Napolitano was just slapping it down, slapping yeah. it down. And then I love Brian Kilmeade's example about that's the only thing he could pull out about Obama is the Reverend uh, Jeremiah Wright right. situation. And Ten years a decade ago. And his connection to a reverend. <laughs> right. A controversial reverend. Right, right. And we're talking about <laughs> Donald Trump paying off porn stars that he slept with. Yeah. So... Good times. But also, Judge Napolitano is an interesting character because he was on Fox Business today talking about how the FBI trapped Michael Flynn. So on the one hand, he can offer what seems like a very reasonable um, perspective to people on Fox News. And then on the other hand, sometimes he's arguing things that... uh, are a little confusing given well, his previous I, reasonable I, positions. I, you know, he is the crazy libertarian guy. So if he, he feels like one, I don't know that even if they did trap him, how do you trap him? You ask a question that you assume he's going to an- answer in a lie. And then he does lie. Is that a trap? Mm-hmm. Did he have the option to say, to tell the truth? Yeah, he did. So it's not a fucking trap. Y- you know, he's, he's a liar and he's going to be punished for it. Uh, his sentencing is tomorrow. So, so, all of this is just to 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 kind of set the stage for Brittany talked about it a little bit uh, a couple of minutes ago that right now Donald Trump is the focus of at least six separate major investigations of several different points um, from campaign through administration, Trump organization, and Trump Foundation. 
President Trump is nearing the end of his second year in office and he's also the focus of more than a half dozen investigations. Now, let's say this. We don't know exactly how many there are because some might have might not have been made public. Yeah, but here's what we do know uh, that is being under invest that is under investigation right now. The Trump Organization, the Trump Foundation, the Trump campaign, the Trump inauguration and the Trump transition and the Trump administration. All six of those under investigation as we sit here with you. And now CNN has learned special counsel Robert Mueller still wants to speak in person with President Trump about obstruction of justice. His lawyers, of course, adamant that that can't happen. The president previously answered written questions from the special counsel. Uh, the president's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, tells CNN they are against it because they don't trust Mueller. Our next guest says President Trump is out of options in the face of these mounting investigations. Joining us now is Richard Painter. He's the former chief ethics attorney for George W. Bush and professor of corporate law at the University of Minnesota. Richard, welcome back to New Day. Let's start here with uh, a pretty dramatic statement that you made this week that you said it's time for President Trump's lawyers to negotiate a plea deal. Explain that. Well, the president has serious uh, exposure to criminal liability on several fronts. Uh, he has the uh, case, uh, uh, the investigation that's proceeding in the Southern District of New York surrounding the payments uh, to porn stars. Uh, he has the even more uh, serious situation with Robert Mueller and the Russia investigation and the president's obstruction of justice there. Uh, the New York Attorney General is coming after uh, the foundation and may very well have other investigations of the Trump Organization. And, of course, he's going to have to deal with the United States House of Representatives Judiciary Committee in uh, January. Uh, the president, uh, at this juncture, really ought to consider uh, negotiating while he has some negotiating power. Uh, the presidency uh, offered to resign in return for a, a reduced charges. His lawyer has, is already getting three years in prison uh, for something that Donald Trump clearly uh, told the lawyer to do. Uh, that in and of itself exposes the president to jail time. I, I think it is time for a comprehensive plea agreement. Uh, it would be a lot better for the country for us to be able to move on. Uh, and uh, for Donald Trump to negotiate now while he still has something to negotiate with rather than waiting for the end of his presidency uh, for all of these criminal uh, proceedings against him uh, to uh, uh, really turn up the heat. And he could very well send him to prison for a long time if mm -hmm. he uh, doesn't work this out. So Richard Painter, by the way, is an independent. He is... Freshly left the Republican Party. Yeah, he is not a liberal, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> um, he does go. He does something for the organization crew, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. Yeah. So that government watchdog group he is a part of, but he, he worked for George W. Bush for years and years. Yes, this is not a liberal that you're yeah, hearing talk right. right now. So to hear him speak about Donald Trump in that way, knowing his his record and, and the people that he's worked for in the past, it's telling, possibly, about what, what might be starting to happen. Although I think Richard Painter has largely been on the right side of this issue since the beginning of Donald Trump's for sure. presidency. He is one of the few Republicans that has um, withstood whatever the allure is there to follow along and um, vow your oath of, of, of subservience, subservience to, to Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. I don't, I just really, I don't fucking get it. Here we are two years later, uh, three and a half years later since the campaign started or whenever. 
And uh, I'm still perplexed. Mm-hmm. Still completely beside myself, not understanding. But think about that. <laughs> we'll take it chronologically. Mm-hmm. Not in, in order of offense, but in order of the, the, the organization getting started. Mm-hmm. The Trump organization is now being criminally investigated. Mm-hmm. The Trump Foundation is being criminally investigated. The campaign, the transition team, the inaugural committee, and of course the administration. That is a dizzying amount, a record-setting amount of scandals that even a smart president wouldn't be able to handle Donald Trump is fucking drowning right now. Mm-hmm. And even it's being reported that he is he is in some dark days. And you can see it in his tweets that it's just lashing out and going crazy. Is that why he's going to be at Mar-a-Lago for like 16 days? Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> so specifically, I want to talk about the inaugural controversy, scandal, criminal activity likely. And then also um, the fact that The other element to this that is really going to fuck Donald Trump is the fact that AMI, American Media Incorporated, David Pecker, the National Enquirer, they've signed a non-prosecution agreement, a non-prosecution, that's how you say it, agreement (laughs) with um, the special counsel. Remember, that's the organization that does the catch and kill stories. That has uh, uh, a possible safe full of buried stories about Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. If they're cooperating, this is not looking good. And a non-prosecution agreement is one where we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to fuck you. We're not going to take you to court. We're not going to prosecute you, but you got to, you got to cooperate. That's, that's big time. But let's start with this inaugural investigation, which by the way, Ivanka Trump is finally starting to service And it's not looking good for her either. Did Trump's inaugural team funnel money to Trump? ProPublica reporting tonight that the Trump organization may have overcharged Trump's own inaugural committee for all kinds of things, rooms, meals, event space at Trump's hotel in Washington, D.C. during the inauguration. And we're talking about an incredible amount of money here. The person in the middle of the negotiations, Ivanka Trump. This breaking news coming just one day after the New York Times reported the inaugural committee is under criminal investigation for possibly taking illegal foreign donations. So that's the the money coming in, and now this new reporting on the money going out. Out front now, one of the ProPublica reporters who broke the story, Justin Elliott, and former ethics lawyer for President George W. Bush, Richard Painter, uh, who worked with President Bush on the second inauguration and was the one in charge of making sure uh, that everything was, uh, the rules were followed. So, Justin, let me start with um, with all this reporting that you have. Okay. You have never before reported evidence here tonight that, that is part of this story of how much the Trump organization was overcharging, right? And in one case, you're talking about $100,000 a day for space at the Trump Hotel in Washington, right? Yeah, so what we know is, what we we didn't know before is that the the inaugural committee actually spent a significant amount of money with the Trump Hotel, Trump giving money essentially to Trump himself. Uh, What we also know, my my colleague... Which, by the way, in and of itself would be problematic to a lot of people, but... Yeah, extremely unusual uh, in and of itself. Then you're saying on top of that. (laughs) So uh, my colleague from WNYC and I published emails showing that a top planner in the inaugural committee expressed concerns to several people, including Ivanka Trump, saying... 
the rate that the Trump Hotel is trying to charge the inaugural committee is way too high. And uh, essentially, she said, this is not going to look good when it becomes public. They were proposing to charge $175,000 a day for a, uh, like a ballroom, ballroom? For a ballroom rental in the Trump Hotel down in Washington. Um, we also didn't know that Ivanka Trump was involved in some kind of pricing negotiation between the inaugural committee on one hand and her company, the Trump Organization, on the other. And 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 let's just be clear. This top event planner, Stephanie Winston Wolkoff, uh, she was saying one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars is out of control. Eighty-five is what I would propose. I mean, just to give people a sense of how out of whack this was. Right, and uh, it, it's not clear where they ended up. It's not. It's also not clear the total amount of money the Trump Organization hmm. ultimately got. But right. uh, you know, another issue here is if they were overcharged, it could actually be a violation of tax law. Because uh, Trump was an influential person in the inaugural committee, yeah. he's not allowed. The, his business is not allowed to be overcharging the inaugural, inaugural committee for services. So there could actually be a legal violation. Here. And Ivanka Trump, you're saying, was in the middle, right? When there were the, these complaints about pricing, she's the one who came in between she, the person complaining and the hotel, correct? She's on the emails. Uh, Rick Gates, who is another uh, figure in Trump world, who's since pleaded guilty to conspiracy and lying, mm -hmm. uh, says in one of the emails, "Thank you, Ivanka, for the help on this." So let's get this in perspective. Yeah, this is a big, big deal, a big development, because you start fucking with Trump's kids, and it's been said all along, that's a line that is really going to maybe set him off. Mm -hmm. That's where you can't go, because he loves his kids. Well, we know he loves Ivanka, so that for sure is going to be a, a problem. But did you hear that? They were trying to charge... $175,000 for a ballroom that eh, should have been eighty five grand. That's almost 100% more than it should have been. It's almost double. We know the size of Donald Trump's inauguration. It's famous now. And this kind of gives me an understanding of why he was so insistent that it was the largest inauguration ever. Because it might justify the amount of money that they raised. Mm. Oh, wow. I hadn't thought of that. Listen to this. Bill Clinton's second inauguration, $33 million they raised. Bush's first, $40 million. Bush's second, $42 million. Obama's first inauguration, which was massive, $53 million. His second, $43 million. Donald Trump's inauguration fund for one of the smallest inauguration crowds that has ever happened on the mall, $107 million. A tenth of a billion dollars was raised. And now they're finding out, likely funneled in from Qatar, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, for access. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For, 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 for access to the president because they know that's how you trip his trigger. For access to the Trump administration, for policy concessions, to influence officials that are in yeah. the administration, whatever it might be. So this is, this is not looking good. And the fact that Rick Gates is in the mix on this, he's cooperating right now, has not been sentenced, has pled guilty. He is a cooperating witness. So... They've got the emails. They're digging deeper. What a stressful time to be a Trump. Yeah. Yeah. This story 
is going to be bigger. You may not have heard about it, or maybe you heard just what we've said. You're going to find out a lot more in the coming days because details are going to come out, and this one is going to be a thorn in their side. I guarantee it. Well, and like you said, it is a criminal probe. Yes. So well, criminal right now from the foreign money standpoint, not necessarily with the Ivanka Trump, but that's going to develop into criminal if everything that I suspect happened, happened. So th- the other thing is this AMI thing with uh, David Pecker, which we know he organized the the payment from, um, I always get her name wrong, Karen McDougal. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he did the catch and kill story with that. And um, they have now signed, like we talked about earlier, a non-prosecution agreement. And this is also going to be a far bigger story with a lot more details that are damning for Donald Trump coming from this media organization. During the 2016 campaign, the Inquirer published stories that Donald Trump would use to attack his rivals and buried stories that might be detrimental to Trump. The question now, how worried should the president be that the Inquirer is now cooperating with prosecutors? Inquiring minds want to know what sensational scoops might the National Enquirer have that are of interest to federal prosecutors. They got O.J., they got Edwards, they got this. I mean, if that was the New York Times, they would have gotten Pulitzer Prizes for their reporting. The publisher of Trump's tabloid, as it's been called, is Trump's friend, David Pecker. In that plea deal just made public, AMI, the Inquirer's parent company, admits to paying $150,000 to former Playboy playmate Karen McDougal just three months before the election to kill her story about an alleged affair. And according to new details just released in the agreement, this was done at the request of the campaign to suppress the model's story so as to prevent it from influencing the election. There were real feelings between the two of us. Prosecutors also say Pecker and AMI tipped off Trump's longtime lawyer, Michael Cohen, that porn star Stormy Daniels was about to go public about her alleged affair with Trump. Cohen pled guilty to paying her off. Prosecutors say all of this was part of a plan the Inquirer's publisher concocted with the candidate two months after Trump announced he was running for president. It grew increasingly uh, to the point where nothing negative was reported. Nothing negative about Trump, that is, but the supermarket tabloid was vicious about Trump's rivals. During the primaries, the Inquirer accused Ted Cruz's father of conspiring with Lee Harvey Oswald to assassinate JFK. And Trump gleefully seized on the story. I have no idea whether it was right or not. They actually have a very good record of being right, but I have absolutely no idea. It was not true, nor were any number of front-page exclamation points about Hillary Clinton. Six months to live, Hillary gains 103 pounds. Hillary Hitman tells all. The Inquirer would be offered the most scandalous stories, and depending on um, the celebrity's friendship with, with uh, David Pecker, those stories would either see the light of day or they'd be killed. Despite its questionable tactics, the tabloid has been right on the money on other stories. It was the first to publish that infamous monkey business photo that ultimately brought down one-time Democratic presidential hopeful Gary Hart. And perhaps most significantly, back in 2008, the paper broke the story about Democrat John Edwards and his affair with Rael Hunter, which eventually saw Edwards stand trial 
for alleged campaign finance violations. Well, in Trump's case, AMI tells prosecutors it knew that some of what it was doing was in violation of campaign finance laws, but they did it anyway. And this morning, the AP reports that the Inquirer actually kept a safe of damaging Trump stories. What became of that safe and what secrets might have been inside it? You got to wonder. So look at Jesse D setting you guys up before that clip talking about the safe. <laughs> Right at the uh, end yeah, to bring it all back around. I think they've talked about it, though. I think that's something that's been out there that they, well, maybe not the safe part, but they had several stories that they'd probably collected. That, mm-hmm. that was speculated. Mm-hmm. And now they're admitting it because now they have a, a, a deal from not necessarily an immunity deal, but a non-prosecution deal. Yeah, well, given Donald Trump's history in New York and how he would make those phone calls you know, calling as himself, but yeah. saying that he was yeah. John Barron, John Barron, and trying to plant stories. I mean, he he was really into this whole tabloid thing, yeah. where, where he wanted certain stories out there. He didn't want certain stories out there, and unfortunately, the people that he was working with on all of that, they're now working with people <laughs> who uh, want to find out the truth. That is right. Want to get to the bottom of it. So listen, this gives you an idea right here, the clip we're getting ready to play, of the mindset of Donald Trump and the desperation level of Donald Trump. He sat down with uh, Harris Faulkner over at, uh, at the Fox News for, again, another cream puff. I mean, would you expect anything less than Fox News? They just give him an hour or so to rant and rave, and that's what he did. And she asked him about the sentencing of of Michael Cohen, and he listened to this desperation. Because what he did was all unrelated to me, except for the two campaign finance charges that are not criminal and shouldn't have been on there. They put that on to embarrass me. They put those two charges on to embarrass me. They're not criminal charges, number one. Now, that's according, Harris. That's according to the top. And I've people. interviewed people who've told me this. I They're mean, not you watch criminal. the program. So you know. what happened is either Cohn or the prosecutors, in order to embarrass me, said, "Listen, I'm making this deal for reduced time and everything else. Do me a favor, put these two charges in. They're not right. criminal." I, I want to move on. And they weren't this. for President Obama. Either. I have one last question. Michael Cohen says that he lied in order to protect you. What's your response to that? Let me tell you, I never directed him to do anything wrong. Whatever he did, he did on his own. He's a lawyer. A lawyer who represents a client is supposed to do the right thing. That's why you pay them a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera. He is a lawyer. He represents a client. I never directed him to do anything incorrect or wrong. And he understands that. Look, he did some bad things unrelated to me, maybe related to his other clients. I wasn't his only client. He had other clients. He did some bad things. And income tax evasion, I heard about taxi cab, I heard about a lot of things. Now, I'm not reading about any of that stuff. Because what he did is he made a deal to embarrass me. In order to embarrass me, they cut his, his term down. Pretty, pretty terrible stuff. Let me tell you the other thing. His father-in-law is a very rich guy, I hear. His father-in-law, I thought, was the guy that was the primary focus. Well, what did he do? Did he make a deal to keep his father-in-law out? Did he make a deal to keep his wife, who supposedly, maybe I'm wrong, but you can check it, 
Did he keep, make a deal to keep his wife out of trouble? Now, how many people, when they say, listen, if you embarrass the president of the United States, we'll give you a deal. Your father-in-law, your wife, mm. we'll cut you jail. That's all it is. It's a terrible system we have. It's going on right now with General Flynn. So who other than Brittany's Facebook relative believes this bullshit? <laughs> believes that they're like, listen, we're going to add time to your sentence by piling on felonies, additional felonies that you're going to agree to, plead guilty to, so we can embarrass Donald Trump. Who in the fiddling fuck believes that bullshit? Well, let's end with some good news. <laughs> Because according to a new NBC News, Washington Street, Wall Street Journal. <laughs> Washington Street? Wall Street Journal. Sorry. Is your head still throbbing? It is. Twitching, not you, throbbing. You've quit. You've quit. It's not red now. Okay. Well, give it a minute. <laughs> so uh, according to this new poll, six in 10 Americans say that Donald Trump has been untruthful about the wow. investigation into Russia's interference in the 2016 presidential campaign. What do you guys think of that? That that is good news. Six in ten Americans. Yeah. Uh, half of the country says the investigation has given them doubts about Trump's presidency. Crazy. No, I mean, really, that is uh, good news, but also kind of shocking that those numbers are as high, uh, given the track record of the past two years of people really his bottom um approval rating being at like 32%. That's kind of the that's the the basement. Well, and let's look at how this has changed since August 2018. Uh in August 2018, 56% said that they somewhat or strongly disagree that Trump has been honest and trustworthy related to the Mueller probe. Hmm. Now it's 62%. So 56 kind of, it, versus 62. It, it's kind of taken the same track as Watergate mm -hmm. where it was a slow turn. Yeah. Uh, a very slow turn to against Nixon, and that we're starting to see that right now. The, and this is early stages starting to see it. I have a feeling, and listen, even if the Russian thing, I do believe the Russian thing is going to pan out, because I don't think uh, Robert Mueller is, is on a wild goose chase, but all, everything taken together, Donald Trump is not going to be able to avoid prosecution because now there are state charges involved. The, the the New York State Attorney General's office is now investigating both his organization and his foundation. And that is not good because that can't be pardoned away by Mike Pence. Well, this survey also asked, basically, look at all these convictions and guilty pleas for members of the tr uh, Trump 2016 campaign. What does that suggest? Does yeah. it suggest wrongdoing by some individuals or Trump himself? And they asked this question a year ago. And in December 2017, 36% said that all of those are indications that there's some wrongdoing by Trump, by Donald Trump. 36%. Yeah, only 36%. One year later... 46%. Wow. Okay. So there is movement. There is movement on yeah, this yeah. issue where the news is getting to some people. Right. So hopefully we're trying to end it on a good, a good note. Um, you know, there's a lot of conversation about how facts don't matter. You try to have a conversation with somebody and you tell them, hey, here's the facts. And you expect those facts to change someone's mind. And that doesn't always work. Well, we're seeing a little bit of movement well, here, I, I and we think, should be happy about I that. I think the reason that is is because people want a, a eureka moment. They want like the 
the straw that broke the camel's back. And that's not how it works. It's, it's gradual over time that people change their minds. And um, we need to allow people that. Again, we're not going to get into all that, but <laughs> piss off more people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's let's wrap there. Um, we love you guys. Thank you for giving us the space to take a few days off while Brittany was stressed out of her uh, head twitching mind. Um, it, it means a lot mm-hmm. that that you guys support us through through our lives. You know, shit goes on, especially when you got a smart laid. Who's part of your show? Yeah. Thank you, guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. But don't worry. We're going to do those hashtag third episode. Those. What's going on? I'm really petering out here. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We're going to do the hashtag third episode this week. We also recorded a bonus episode this past weekend. And we're excited for that. Is that it? That's it. All right. We are going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Until next time on episode 473, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Children, get the fuck out. No, however, no. however Wayne would do it. You would need to be Call more. Call it bruv or something. Yeah, you would need. <laughs> <laughs>